to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Mills, quick pass. Nico at the five. Nico in the end zone. The dagger. And Grenard with the sack back at the 25-yard line. Touchdown, Houston. Rock and roll. Tremont Smith, coast to coast. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. It is, and it's live. Hello, Texans. From the Houston Sports Awards tonight, Ron and Clint have left the building, and using a music reference, because that's an Elvis reference, boys and girls, is appropriate because (laughs) this thing is beginning with these impersonators. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. We're not impersonators. We're the real deal. But... We've got Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and Sammy Davis Jr. up on a stage here in the reception area where we are broadcasting from the huge lobby at the Wortham Center. And, Johnny, I came in, and I did I not say it? That one guy. You said one guy looked a, like Dean Martin. And, and I didn't even know he was going to sing. I, I just either. thought it was a guy who was helping out. or I didn't know who it was. I said, that guy looks like Dean Martin, and it's freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> and there he is on stage right now singing Dean tunes, although... I don't know any Dean Martin songs other than everybody loves somebody sometime and a lot of drunk roast stuff. Well, they had the Frank Sinatra. Well, Sammy Davis impersonator. Yeah. Had walked over here by Clinton Ron. I looked at the guy and went, man, Sammy Davis, he's got a cool vibe. And then he goes up there and he is Sammy Davis. So, yeah, that's pretty nice touch here with this deuces wild Uh, thing they've got going on here tonight. Check out the socks, man. I didn't even think about it. Oh, you have casino socks on. I got casino on. socks on, yeah. Oh, like that it. is strong, Johnny. Yeah. I didn't even think about that until I rolled up. I was like, wait a second. I think I'm going to fit in because of my socks. Roger Clemens, Clyde Drexler, Bill Worrell, Cheryl Swoops, all getting in. Houston Sports Hall of Fame. Can I ask you this? Yeah. Because you get here in 2002. Yeah. Milo's established as the guy with the Astros, right. legend, going to the Hall of Fame. Bill's been established with the Rockets forever, seemingly. Yep. Um, obviously, Gene Peterson was... And Bill was, was helping out on Astros TV when I got right, here. Right, When you, 20 years later, and you look up there and you see Bill Worrell, what, what do you think about at that moment? What are you thinking about him, his career? I think you sitting in that sort of, in that seat that he was in, just in a different sport, and different form. He's had such a tremendous career. And, you know, with the voice of a, an NBA team or the voice of a Major League Baseball team, it's a different deal, especially now because the TV voices get a lot of attention, and it's just a different kind of element here. Milo was clearly the voice of the Astros for so long, yet Bill Brown, I thought, was maybe the best play-by-play guy in the city. You know, he's so good, and and I always loved and respected him, and every time I went to batting practice, because I used to go, when I did a talk show, I think if you do a talk show in this town, if you're going to talk about the Astros, you go to batting practice yeah. and check it out and really get to know people. Right. And he was wonderful to me. Uh, but Bill Worrell as well. And what a career Bill has had. You yeah. know, and look, Gene Peterson, I think historically will go down in history as the voice of the Rockets. Right. Yeah. You know, Craig's got it now and right. Craig's doing the TV. So he's got the lead for it. Right. I know Matt Thomas does radio. But Craig has really taken over beautifully. Yep. Uh, but there's something about uh, Gene, obviously, Gene and Jim, yeah. uh, with their partnership over the years. But Worrell has a special place in Houston sports broadcasting history. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the guy's a legend, and it's wonderful to see him get honored tonight. I know the guys just had Hannah Storm on. Johnny, I just met Hannah Storm for the first time ever, 
and I was kind of fanboyish around her. Well, I was. We were standing over there by Dan Pastorini, looking at his name drop. Yeah. Also, I look around. I'm like, "Where's Mark?" And you come back with this grin on your face, and I'm like, "What just happened?" You're like, "I talked to Hannah Storm." Yep, I did. It wasn't my aquarium type, but it was. It was pretty close. I cannot believe I didn't drop this on her. Her mother was my realtor when I moved into the city. Wait, hold on. Hannah Storm's mother, and her real name is Storin. Right. So what, Hannah Storin was, your was my realtor. Her mother was my realtor when I first got a place here in Houston I'm 20 years say, ago. I'm not going to say you dropped the ball, but. I dropped the ball. You dropped it, it said, kicked You know my mom. Yeah. Uh, she helped I mean, out. It's, always, it's always kind of a strange conversation to have. Yeah. It's not quite like Frank Ross asking me if I got a haircut, you know. <laughs> Like, you get a haircut, and I'm like, why is he asking me whether I got a haircut? Then I found out because he cuts hair, so I'm like, yeah. Special it. teams coach Frank yeah. Ross, haircutter. So yeah, so I get it, but, I mean, maybe it's an icebreaker. Hey, yeah, your mom was my realtor, so uh, very cool. I, It was, um, this is pretty cool. I, I didn't know what to expect, and I heard Patty on with the guys earlier with uh, Clinton Ron talking about being in the Wortham Theater. This is where they wanted to have it for, you know, from the beginning, but right. then Harvey was an issue, and that uh, pushed them over the Hilton, then COVID, and they're finally in here. So it'll get the full theater experience tonight, which will be hopefully pretty well, cool. Well, she's always done a great job with it, everybody so working good. on this event. Yes. And to do it at the hotel, the Hilton Americas, where they did it a couple yeah. of years, uh, was really great. I yeah. thought they did a tremendous job. And last year they did it up at Carlton Woods outdoors, yeah, outdoors yeah. which was awesome because we were still living in – the bulk of COVID or maybe yeah. the tail end of it, however right. you want to define it, but they had to be careful with it. And there were socially distanced tables yet. It didn't take away from the elegance and the magnificence of the event. Jim Nance got up there. It was yeah. great. Uh, tonight. This is another level of elegance and sophistication being here at the Wortham. So I'm really looking forward to this event here. We'll try to get some people on, but uh, the bulk of them will be flowing in a little bit later on uh, as we are doing Texans all access live from the Houston sports awards. And as far as the Texans' participation tonight, it's really not a football-ish night here right. for the most part. Justin Reed uh, will be honored here tonight, former Texan now, with yep. now with the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's nice. Uh, but other than that, you're not seeing a whole ton of football stuff here tonight, but we've had our share. You know, we've had Andre Johnson last year. I yep. was up there with Gary Kubiak last year helping bring him into the Houston Sports Hall of Fame, and he did a nice speech and everything. And obviously... Uh, look, they've, they've done a lot of stuff here for Houston professional football. And this is a celebration of Houston. And, it, you know, it's interesting. Having moved here when I did, when I was 11 years old, and kind of tried to just grasp onto everything that I could, over to our left they have the paintings of the, the individuals that have gone in. And I just look through that, and it's like this run through my childhood and early adult yeah. years. And then I look at them and go, I've met him. I've met him. I've, you know, done interviews with him. Yeah. I did an interview with him. I've met these people. I think my favorite was Earl Campbell. This is when I was at a, a different radio station. And myself, Sean Pendergast, and our friend Lance Erline, we were all in this one office, and they were out, and I was the only one in. And all of a sudden, I hear this, excuse me. I look over, and it's the recognizable beard of Earl Campbell. And I mean, I just recognized oh, yeah. it. And he said, sir, can you, he was trying to get the studio and he got to our office and I just was like, yeah, I didn't even know what to say. I was trying to be like, 
he's Mr. Campbell. Like, I can't call him Earl. I said, Mr. Campbell. And he said, no, call me Earl. The nicest, nicest guy. It was the only time I had a chance to meet him. And just a fabulous man. But just looking through all of that, it really is. It's a celebration of the city. And, of course, we're part of it. And in years down the road, hopefully there will be more and more Texans that get involved in this. But when you look over there, who's been involved? Track and field. Uh, gymnastics, basketball, baseball, football, auto racing, boxing. It covers and runs the gamut yep. of sports. That, I think, tells the story of this city, just the diversity across all the sports and the greatness that we've seen at all levels of sports in this town. Well, when the Super Bowl was played here, Cappy, the 2003 season, Jim Nance did that because it was Super Bowl 38, 38 legends of Houston sports. He did it at Reliant Arena at the time, now NRG Arena. And that was an amazing event, and especially for someone like me who wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could. Of course. Because among the 38 legends, you mentioned Pastorini and Andre Ware and Mary Lou Retton and A.J. Foyt and Bob Phillips, and the list goes on and on and on and on, and Carl Lewis and everybody else. So that night just blew me away the history of this town you know people in the northeast might not recognize it the way they should but this town has a hell of a sports history when you think not only of the team sports but the individuals to come out of here or eventually reside here and make this their home you know you have jim nance who's from here and he's one of the top announcers in the country and he knew how important that was and I liken this to that feeling when I come in here every year to these awards. And just to be a small, tiny little part of this thing is such an honor. And see how the legends walk by. And Rudy Tomjanovich just walked by, and he's in the reception area. And uh, it's just great to see people like that be a part of this event, no question about it. Yeah, it's it's such a neat event to be here and celebrate this. This city, Sammy Davis, is uh, killing it. And I love that they've got a stage that's built in between the different open bar stations, which is, uh, which is definitely that's nice. That's that's nice very, very very nice. So uh, it's good to have that. All right, a few things on. I know it's Texans All Access, but it's Houston Sports, and we're all family here. A few things uh, you mentioned: Worrell, Cheryl swoops to me. Look, this is a team that won four championships yeah. to kick off the WNBA, and when I got here to Houston. Among my duties, I don't know how the Texans felt about it. They were fine with it, though. I hosted the Van Chancellor show, uh, the Coach oh, yeah, of Comets, yeah, yeah, once yeah, a yeah. week. Yeah. And I decided I was going to host this show. I mean, I didn't know much about the Comets or anything. Yeah. I went to a couple of Comets games. I met Van. I'm not going to do his show without knowing who he is because right. he was just jumping in on the phone. I rarely had him in studio. They were busy. They were in the midst of their season. Uh, and it was an honor to, to do that with him. But I was always impressed with the crowds they got and the impact they had on this city. And it's too bad they're not around anymore. But Cheryl Swoop's going in. Uh, Roger Clemens, Johnny. Look, I was I went to college in Boston. I lived there for a long time yeah. uh, after I graduated. You know, Roger Clemens is Roger Clemens. And I, I try to tell kids, when Clemens pitched for the Astros, all right, and look, this is wow. late in the career. This is, you know, he's already done so much in his life and his career. But when he pitches for the Astros, every start is a bowl game. Yep. Like, you've got to go to a Clemens start. Yes. And it felt like he'd get into trouble almost every inning and get out of it. <laughs> it was like an escape thing. Yeah. It was a movie every time. 
uh, he got out there on the mound, and it was just beautiful to watch, and he did so well for this team, and they were so relevant. Uh, went to the World Series, obviously, at 05, didn't win it. But, man, just to see that, just to be in this town while that was going on. And, look, he'll be here. He would be getting into this thing even yep. if he never pitched for the Houston Astros. But he did, and it's very cool that he was able to do that in his career. And Clyde Drexler, I mean, what do you say about a guy that is pure Houston, high school yep. in Houston, college, University of Houston, finished career here in Houston with the Rockets. I mean, he is Houston to the core. I, you just say Clyde. Now, in certain areas of the country, you say Clyde. They'll think Clyde Frazier. But here, when you say Clyde, it's automatic. You know People who know. it is. It's, it's Clyde Drexler. And then he's he's done everything you could possibly do uh, in in the game of basketball. It's great to see him. Here's the thing that stood out to me. Like I, I love how Patty – I remember when Patty did this – when this event was put together and Patty Smith was putting it together and she came up with the theme of the 34s, which that number in this town is three people. And there's no question. It is Earl Campbell. It's Akeem Olajuwon. And it is Nolan Ryan. It's there's no doubt the right. 34s. I'm like, man, how do you, how do you top that? Like, how do you come up with a theme? If you will, each and every time, like you got to go one better than mm-hmm. the one before. And I'm listening to her on with Clint and Ron, and she talks about Cheryl Swoops and Roger Clements and Clyde Drexler, and she says the 22s, and I went, dang, she did it again. Yep. How did she pull that? I mean, that's the 22s. just that, that thought process to put three in wearing a number 22, and so deserving, I thought it was just incredible. So really, really cool to come up with the theme of the 22s and Obviously, Deuce is wild, and you see the Vegas theme, and I got my casino socks, and you've seen a lot of luminaries come through, and there's the general uh, walking past who we will have on tomorrow. Tomorrow's Thursday? Yeah, tomorrow tomorrow at 6. Yes, tomorrow at 6 we'll have uh, the general on with us. He, I have a feeling, will be part of this at some point. I don't know when exactly. He will be honored at some point. You get the feeling it's going to happen. All right, we're going to step aside here. We'll be right back with some talk from the day, the day's activities and news and notes in the National Football League. Is this a trend? Of course it's a trend. And you know what we're talking about. We will discuss also our latest thoughts on picks 3 and 13 and the others as well. It's all coming up here on Texans Radio. Stay tuned for more on the Houston Texans and the NFL on Texans All Access. What if your preferred hospital could also be your primary care provider? At Houston Methodist, we go beyond hospital care, offering you everything from flu shots to well-woman exams to managing your weight and cholesterol. And our primary care doctors and specialists are connected all across the city. So whatever the need, wherever you live, we can be there for you. Visit HoustonMethodist.org to find the care you need at locations throughout Houston. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. What is it that you want out of life? Whatever it is, it can be a lot more rewarding with the Vivid Rewards Card, the Agility Cash Card, and the Clarity Card from Amogee Bank. Get three times the rewards or 1.5% cash back. Or enjoy our lowest rate without any of the expected fees. Because whatever you choose to do, there's a card for you. Learn more at amogebank.com slash cards. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions. See a banker for details. A division of Science Bank Corporation, N.A. member FDIC. Corporation, N.A. member FDIC. Corporation, N.A. We return to Texans All Access. 
Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Wortham Center, downtown. Beautiful building. Houston Sports Awards. Beautiful night for this. As celebrity guests, people are flocking in. Well, I should say trickling in. Slowly flowing in. Yeah, that's a good word. However, trickle. I should describe this. It's a good word. Trickle. Johnny, I was, uh, I was over getting a club soda and cranberry, the standard Vander drink. Yes, yes. And uh, the Sammy Davis Jr. impersonator threw me a piece of candy Did while he? singing... Uh, Candyman. All right. Oh, so, wow. you know, how about that? Well, I went over to get a water, and Dude. I waved at him. I guess I turned around. And and you really, you really didn't capture his attention. No candy for you. Uh, I know. No matter what sport we're talking about, coaching greatness is coaching yes. greatness. And joining us right now here at the Houston Sports Awards is Rudy T. Rudy Tomjanovich. Rudy, Mark, and John with you. Welcome. How are you doing tonight? Great to see you. I am doing great. It's good to be here. Uh, excited about Clyde. Excited about Cheryl Swoops. And, of course, the great uh, Roger Clemens. And, of course, Bill <laughs> Warrell. Coach Hamtramck, Michigan. I know the hometown well. My, my mother is from Michigan. I know that's your hometown. But what does Houston mean to you? Well, it was uh, a part of my uh, maturing uh, my growth as a human being, you know, coming here. Uh, I remember I was one year in San Diego, 1970. Yep. Right. And I was watching TV. All of a sudden it said the, the San Diego Rockets have been sold to uh, a group in Houston. And we're like, do they even play basketball? <laughs> And when we came here, a lot of people didn't, and they looked down on the sport. Yeah. And I ran basketball, uh, a basketball camp with Dave Collins, and he says, you know, this is probably going to be the uh, the place where we're not going to be successful because they had that UIL rule yeah. where a swimmer couldn't go to a basketball camp. He would be ineligible for swimming. Yep. And so, anyway, we hung in there. We did it for 10 years and, you know, basketball. And, and over the years, uh, Texas has got, had three champions, Dallas, uh, Houston, and uh, San Antonio. So pretty good to watch that uh, development. Rudy Tom Jonovich joining us here at the Houston Sports Awards. Coach, when you saw and obviously sparked the Rockets to a championship run, what were some of the seeds that you had to lay to get that to happen? What were some of the challenges along the way and the hurdles you had to overcome? I know it's a very broad question, but what stands uh, out in your memory is, hey, this thing took off when we did this. Well, uh, it was like most uh, periods of growth that had to do with a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, things... Uh, Things got bad that first year. We were on a seven-game losing streak. And now I had to break the tape down, and I had to show players, this is what we're doing wrong. This is, you know, and some of it was humiliating. And uh, it's not the easy part of our job. You know, everybody thinks, hey, you just get in there and you just tell those (laughs) son of a guns. It don't work that way. They make ten times more money than you, you know. Uh, But I try to use the uh, 
the, the approach that it was 80% positive, 20% uh, corrections, mm-hmm. and to be be sensitive to the corrections, especially how you do it in front of other people. Nobody wants, and I hate, uh, I hate sarcasm. There's some okay. coaches that use sarcasm yeah. and, and uh, make jokes at the uh, expense of their players. Or cut them down in the paper. I don't believe in any of that stuff. 80% positive, though. I think that's going to jump out to a lot of people. Yeah. 80% positive, 20% corrections. Well, because you have to learn who you are. you got to know what the coach likes. So in our, in our coaching, uh, in our film sessions, they would hear, now this is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, and we would show plays like what we call a turnaround play. It, it, the other team's on a fast break. It looks like they're going to have an easy score, but one of our guys goes back and breaks up the play. Even if we don't get the ball, he takes that high percentage possession and knocks it down. He is acknowledged the next practice mm-hmm. by doing that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, players really want to do uh, what the coach wants. Except pass. <laughs> now, that was the hard part. I hated that part, too. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, when you're around Houston and fans come up to you and they're like, oh, I was, I was a teenager when you were winning championships, and I remember this. Is there a particular moment that fans most want to talk to you about? I think of the championships and when you won those games were great. But there are a couple for me that actually happened even before the finals. And the one that I always remember is Mario's shot against Phoenix. Yeah. The kiss of death, as it's called here. Memorable forever. But is there one that fans come in to want to talk to you about? Well, you know, it's interesting how big that play was. Yeah. And I've, I've seen my reaction to that play where I just throw my head back. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there was a guy uh, in Los Angeles when I went out there who, who had his son, and he says, we love having Rudy moments. I said, what's a Rudy moment? He says, when you just go, yeah, (laughs) you know, and that was pretty cool. But this is how crazy it is. If you analyze that situation, I won't say it was a mistake, but we fell into what Phoenix wanted us to do. Yeah. We could have ran that clock all the way down. Now, I don't have a <laughs> – you sort of want it to be the last shot. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and uh, it was a great shot. He was open. It was a great pass. Yeah. And so it's good. But if it misses, I'm here sneaking in the back door, and you say, <laughs> yeah, you had the job. But what about that Phoenix game when you shot the ball early? Yeah. No doubt. Coach, how hard is it to spot the heart of a champion before the champion wins the title? When you're looking at teams playing now and teams that have the nucleus, it looks like all the pieces are there, but how do you spot it? How difficult is that? Oh, you could, I think you could spot it with the team uh, more than the individual. Okay. Because with the individual, you can see a lot of flash and stuff until you really put it under the, the microscope. Mm-hmm. Is he an effective, is he an efficient player? And, you know, at the uh, second half of my career or at the end of my career, I got into analytics. 
And uh, I really wanted to know what's the truth. What's, mm-hmm. What shot should we try to have them uh, get? Right. You know, and now everybody's got it. And the, the Rockets, mm-hmm. uh, especially with uh, Daryl Morey when he was there, really looked at that stuff. And, in fact, if you shoot mid-range shots uh, with the Rockets, I, I haven't been there, but I heard you get called into the office. <laughs> What's with these mid-range shots you're shooting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How would that have played in your career, Coach? You were a shooter. You were a scorer. Yeah. How would that have played uh, in your career? When you look at the analytics and all the information that you can get about guys you're facing that night, and back then it was man-to-man. There was no zone. It was all man Yeah. You had guys that were going to cover you. How would analytics have helped your game, not as a coach, but as a player on the well, floor? Well, you, absolutely. Now, here's the problem, uh, adjusting to the three. I played a couple years with the three-point. Yeah. But yeah. Our, our coach was not a big fan of it. Yeah. So he didn't – we didn't practice it a lot, and he didn't mm. want it because everybody's just getting used to it. But my natural shot, I was a good outside shooter. Yep. My natural shot was a straddle of the three-point shot. Yeah. So I had to make an adjustment, to, and that's just like two feet. Right. And that knocked that, that knocked it down a little bit. It's but a big two feet. It yeah. is. Any, anything <laughs> it is. is. And even the even when you look at the corner three, which is like one of the most valuable shots in yeah. the game now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. It's that much closer. And the other thing is. You don't get the lucky bounce that bounces back and goes in, and it's still a higher percentage shot than the around the arc. What is your appreciation of football? What kind of football fan are you, Coach? Well, I I love I see Dante yeah. and those guys. I love that team. I was a big uh, I love Bub Phillips, mm-hmm. uh, big fan of that era. But now, then when I coached. For a long time, I didn't watch sporting events. Okay, because it reminded me of the job, and <laughs> I needed to get away from the job because I did. I really did too much. Looking back at it, I I kept when I became the head coach. I still remained an assistant coach oh, okay. in my head, yeah. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I kept doing. I had great assistants who would do all that work, but I. Uh, felt I had to do it too because that was my comfort zone right coach when you were when you were done with it how long did it take for you to let coaching kind of get out of your system when you walked away you were done or did you have kind of I really miss it (laughs) Uh, to be honest with you I'm still working on it yeah Mm -hmm. I uh I came back out of retirement and worked a little bit with uh the Minnesota Timberwolves yep and uh it was enjoyable, but also frustrating because, I, you know, I want to do. I want. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize I was like a control freak, <laughs> but I don't. You know, I know what I know, and and I want to see guys have success. And but right. we're not always right. right. I wasn't right all the time. Right. Uh, but they're doing good. They, they've done very well. They're in the playoffs. Uh, and they're one yeah. and one yeah. against a great Memphis team. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting series. Good for them, yeah. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. We sure. appreciate it. It's great to see you here as always. All right. All right, Pleasure Rudy to T. Be with you.
Rudy Tomjanovich joining us here. Houston Sports Awards. Really appreciate the visit. Legendary Houston coach, two-time NBA champion with the Houston Rockets. I got here in 1983. City not at a championship. And I'm telling you, down 2-0, going to Phoenix. I'll never forget, I actually was at Brown traveling. Went to a bed and breakfast somewhere. I was going to the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. And game three pops on the screen. And Vernon Maxwell goes off. And they win game three. And I'm like, that's not supposed to happen. This is weird. Right. The Houston, Houston things are supposed to happen. Like, Phoenix is supposed to put them out of their misery the next two games. And instead, they win that game to make it 2-1. And you're like, no, can they? And then they come all the way back and then win the championship. And it's – I mean, that was a long time ago. And I just remember the feeling of this town. I mean, you've sensed it 2017 when the Astros were doing it. And I know one day when we do it, it's going to have that feeling ten it's, times over. It's going to be the sweetest thing ever. It'll it be happens. amazing. And I, I, and I think about Rudy a lot. I thought he was the absolute perfect leader for that team because well, they had alphas and not all those and those alphas didn't always get along right and somehow he got them to play cohesively all the time now people listening to what he said about 80 percent positive 20 percent corrections might think well it's easy to say when you have a large one but it wasn't like that team was loaded with hall of famers no. right no. and that is something to take note of. This yes. is a coach who won two championships, once as a sixth seed, yeah. right? Yeah. And the second one, I know Drexler got there with effect of the seedings because he wasn't there the whole time. But listen, that is phenomenal stuff right there to win it back to back to win it once. Anyway, we are here at the Houston Sports Awards. We have other guests coming up maybe before the close of business because it's a little tight in here right now. We'll see what we can get to, but we'll certainly get to some football news coming your way. Trade demand today involving a team on the West Coast that the Texans played last year. You know who I'm talking about. And we'll talk about the picks because that's what we do here on Texans Radio. Texans Radio continues in a moment. Texans Radio is back. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you live from the Wortham Center, downtown Houston, Houston Sports Awards, and having a good time. Caught up with Rudy Tomjanovich. Johnny uh, Debo Samuel wants a trade from the 49ers. And this has definitely become a thing. It was already a thing, and it continues to be a thing with guys wanting out of their situation. And I know it's been a big subject today on Sports Radio 610's talk shows, (laughs) and I get it. I think that when he... It was reported, I don't know if he's tweeted this or you'll say you have to excuse me, that he was not interested in doing a lot of the things the 49ers wanted him to do on the field. He wants to be more of a pure wide receiver. My question is why? You get so many touches, you get the ball. That's a big reason why people would want you in a trade. I think, and I said this to Clint Ron earlier, because obviously that, that news was hitting about that time, there was the report. I can't remember if it was Pelissar or who said it. Maybe Rappaport had said that Debo's issue was just that. He didn't want to be that hybrid wide receiver running back role. And so when I was talking to Clinton Ron, I don't think that had broken yet. And I said, look, you got to get to the bottom of what it is that he's upset about. Yeah. Because if he's upset about the amount of runs that he has – 
Well, that's why you want. That's why you would want him here because he's that different from everybody else. Right. But, and I don't know if I'm Debo. If Debo could get to a point where it's not twelve to fifteen runs and five seven receptions as opposed to eight nine receptions and four or five runs, that might be a little bit better and a little bit easier to handle. So, I don't know. Maybe if I can't understand. Because they had him mic'd up for one of the games, one of the games against the Rams. There was a time where he was on the sidelines, and he walks over to Shanahan, and he's like, give me the ball. I'm like, whoa, wait a second. Like, give me the ball, and now you're saying you're getting it too much? The one thing I think about, the one game I think about is that Green Bay game in the divisional playoff round. He got the you-know-what beat out of him that day. Because he got the ball. Because he was running it, and it's winning time, and they're just giving him the ball nonstop. Right. And so I can understand, hey, look, guys, I can't, my body can't take that. And then he looks around, and he sees all these other receivers getting all this big money. He's like, forget that. I keep running the ball. My career's two, three years shorter. Well, there's that to think about as well, right? Yeah. Because what do we always say about certain running backs? Maybe he could be a receiver later in his career and extend his career. McCaffrey, Well, you're going the wrong. And Arian Foster, even, that was brought up as a possibility, maybe from the outside, not the inside. But with him, with Samuel, you got to wonder what the demand is going to be like because even though he's awesome, I hate to word it like this, that he hasn't proven himself as a traditional or standard type of wide receiver. And again, those are bad terms to use in this conversation. But I just don't know what the market's going to be. And it's funny how they threw out the Chiefs and everything. Well, the Chiefs didn't want to pay Tyreek Hill. Right, and now they're going to pay Debo? Yeah, Debo wants that kind of money. I mean, he wants that huge receiver money. So we'll see where it all goes. I mean, I'm not so sure that uh, it's a good idea. To exp- I mean, I think it's a good idea for teams that are in the hunt for receivers to explore the possibility, sure. But be buyer beware on these things. I think what got everybody's attention was Tim Kawakami, who writes for The Athletic out in the Bay Area, and said the team that we keep hearing is Houston. I think right. that's what kind of got everybody like, wait, what? Did, did he just say Houston? And then you think, okay, is this some blogger, some just – guy that doesn't have a reputable site and he's just throwing stuff against the wall no this is tim kawakami he's been writing there for over two decades in the bay area he's one of the most highly respected writers there and you're thinking he's mentioning houston well so if that is the case, there something is there something there it's just i don't know it really was i don't know it really it caught me off guard because yeah. i was like i know i don't know and then all of a sudden you see wait a second there is this Kawakami says they're interested. Could mean nothing. Kawakami could have gotten it from three or four other people, and they're pulling his leg. Who knows? But if that's the case, Johnny, one thing I like about this, I hope they're thinking of using a receiver like Samuel is used, right? Uh, Yeah, In that mode, in that fashion. You know, it's funny because I kind of look at A.J. Brown like that a little bit as well, and I just think it hasn't happened lately. Yeah. But I think he's the kind of guy who can make plays like that happen. So, and by plays like that, I mean just getting the ball in all sorts of different situations. Yeah, I just want A.J. Brown to go away. Yeah. Because I love him. I love him. I want him yeah. to go away. Go I somewhere don't, else. I want him to go somewhere else, and he is not having to mess with us twice a year. And that's the hardest part, I think, of all is facing that guy. Because I I, I'm with you. I think A.J. Brown could be used in that way. They won't. Right. They, don't need, they don't need to. 
They the 49ers only went to Debo Samuel as a running back because they needed him to do it. They were down on running backs. All of them were dead. Wilson was hurt. Most start was hurt. Uh, Mitchell was hurt. And they needed to win a ball game. Debo's like, give me the rock. Let's go. And so they yeah. ended up doing that. So from that standpoint, Debo as Debo, really, Mike McDaniel said it when he's down in Miami. He's like, Debo didn't even know he was Debo. We didn't even know he was Debo. You know, At all. It's funny because I, uh, I was writing a piece. Bill Worrell's walking by. We're going to try to oh, get we him got, on the air oh. here. So. <laughs> How are you doing? Coming on with us right Liz, look at this. Oh, look at this. Do we have oh we have we have enough headsets for everybody? We do. Oh my god. Oh, this, this is fantastic. All right, this, this is, is gonna is be awesome. good. We have, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Houston Sports Awards, we have Dante, Dan Pastorini, and also being honored tonight, Bill Worrell. And this is great. This is great to have you gentlemen with us. Thank you so much. Bill, congratulations on tonight. Thank you, Mark. Absolutely. Congratulations. And Johnny and I were talking about you being honored earlier, and it's such a fascinating, impactful career you've had in broadcasting because working with the Rockets for so long and, and being so associated with the University of Houston and also your work with the Astros and everything else, it, it really is so voluminous, your impact on this city. How does it make you feel to be honored like this tonight? Well, it's uh, a dream come true for a guy from Houston. You know, when I when I started in Houston, well, uh, I was born in World War II. Uh, during World War II, my dad was in the service, so I've seen all these changes the city's been able to make right. uh, down through the years. And uh, some of my most exciting moments were with this guy right here <laughs> because uh, Dan uh, brought the Love You Blue era uh, for the Houston Oilers, which was one of the probably, if not the number one, uh, the, uh, the Rockets' two championships back-to-back would be right there with it. But just the amount of enthusiasm in Houston and what Dan garnered, uh, that, that was an exciting time for me, too, because I did a few of their preseason games for television. So I knew uh, they were going to have a good team once they got Earl. I'll ask both of you this. Both of you went through it. Dan, obviously, you're playing. Bill, you were here through that and broadcasting. For people that weren't here during that time, how do you both explain to them that era? Well, for us, you know, it was uh, legendary. I remember when uh, Love You Blue was born on a Monday night football when we played Miami. I was the last one to be introduced. And I'm sitting in the tunnel, and I hear all these people, and I'm kind of looking out there and see a little bit of blue. When I got to the gate to come onto the field, I never saw so much blue pom-poms and placards in my life, and these people were just going absolutely nuts. Plus, it was the best game on Monday Night Football that stood for like 20 years or so, and it was just created then. And and people talk about the football itself. It was the it was the the fandom in the city and the support they gave us that was important. I mean, people come up to me today and thank me. I mean, guys your age were kids, you know, they were they were eight years old. But, you know, just to see those guys remember that and the impact it had on their families, you know, is, is gratifying to us. And I reassure them that, you know, you all made it special for us, too. Well, one thing that blows my mind, Bill, and I know you remember this, is the Astrodome being full after AFC Championship game losses. That is incredible to me, the kind of reception that team got. Well, I was on the team bus where he should have been, but he was riding with a police officer on a uh, motorcycle up in front of the bus. Was that an audible? Bum didn't notice it until somebody pointed it out. He says, that's my quarterback <laughs> riding on that motorcycle. And I said, well, what did you expect? I mean, yeah. that's Dante, right? 
the thing uh, the thing about it though people don't realize the pack the, the stadium was packed with people to the yeah, raptors yeah but you couldn't find a parking place all the way from the front door of uh, Intercontinental Airport down JFK Boulevard, yeah, the Beltway, and 45. Yeah. You, they were on the side of the road. The whole city turned out. A whole 700,000 or whatever it was turned out to see us. There wasn't a car on the on the highway except our buses and the limousines. That's right. It was unbelievable. What, what an era, too, because when you look at that and then look at Five Slamajama following up shortly after, you look at the Astros, what they were able to do in 1980. You look at, and I know it didn't go all the way, but also uh, the Rockets making the finals in, in 81. I mean, yeah. that, that's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, the, the Rockets lost to Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics twice uh, in the 80s before yep. they were able to get back there in the 90s and then the back-to-back championships. And that's, of course, what I remember because I guess, Dan, there were 700, 800,000 people downtown for the parade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't even tell you. Uh, they were they were 15, 16 deep everywhere we went, hanging out of parking garages yeah. and buildings, and yeah. uh, it was absolutely. Um, what people don't understand about Houston is uh, if you bring them in some excitement and you bring them a winner, and it's yeah. going to be this way with the Texans too coming up. Yeah. If they have some good drafts, mm-hmm. this city will go gaga over them again, and we'll be right back there again. Bill, as you are celebrated tonight, you talked about the championships. Is that the biggest thing that stands out to you when you look back at your career and you think, man, there were so many great moments, so many great people you were around? What stands out more than anything else to you? I don't know. that The championships really mean a lot because they're so hard to get. Dan, you know yeah. this. We, yeah. You know, we went to um, – one time we went to San Diego, and Dan was trying to play. I remember uh, Doncis had that – no, I had a ruptured groin in San Diego. Oh, was that it? Yeah. Okay, but anyway, it was Fouts in that group. We didn't have and Earl. Gifford. And we didn't have Earl. We had Gifford trying to bootleg it into the end zone, <laughs> and I could have caught him if I'd have been, you know. But anyway, make a long story short, I ran into Vernon Perry out here on the uh, walkway. He had four interceptions in yep. that game yep. against Fouts, and we went on to the playoffs until you could get healthy. Huh? Well, I wasn't really healthy. We went the next <laughs> well, week. I know, but you had asked to me if I could play. I said, I guess so, if you want me to. You could outrun Giff. <laughs> no, you could I could outrun Giff. No, no. <laughs> no, not in a bet. Dan, the draft is coming up for NFL players. It's been a while since you've been drafted, but it was different for you back then. There was not this big Las Vegas showcase. What was the draft like for you? What do you remember about it? Well, we went out and partied because the night before, and we had a pretty good time, and we were still drinking beer in the uh, the, the, the dormitory, and they had the, the Channel 13 came out there, which is a local ABC station. And I guess I was getting drafted in the first round. We didn't know. And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from Ed Hughes, and he said, you know, you've been bra- drafted by the Houston Oilers. Welcome to Houston. And that was it. And then uh, we did the interviews, and as soon as the TV people left, we drank some more beer were you expecting oilers as a possibility as a no you know it was, it was eerie when i came back from the senior bowl i stopped and changed planes in houston and i got out and i looked out the windows and i said my god this place is flat because i grew up yeah. in california yep. in the mountains right. and the, the mountains they call around here are little hills you know yeah. they're overpasses but yeah. i got used to it and i learned about the hill country and there are some nice places around texas that have different elevations so he wasn't the only quarterback taken he was taking the first right he took a pretty good quarterback in the second 
Glenn Dickey. Glenn Dickey. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn Dickey. They weren't sure about me. <laughs> so <laughs> Glenn, Glenn, Glenn was possible. the insurance, and then he winds up getting traded go, and go. He had a terrible hip injury. Yeah. And nobody ever thought he was going to play again, but the guy's tough, and he wound up having a great career in Green Bay. In Green Bay. Yeah. Did very well there. Well, gentlemen, thanks so much for being with us, Bill. Thanks, Congratulations. Mark. Yes, thank you. Congratulations, have a wonderful Billy. Night. Well deserved. And I enjoy listening to you all the time with the Texans. All right. Thank you so and much for saying you're that. You're one sir. of the great ones. Oh, thank you. Thank right. you very much. Thank you. I'm right. honored to you, have you. You are good. Oh, thank you. I hate to say <laughs> that, too. Well, I'll be the that judge of over that. the air, but you are pretty good. <laughs> you're you're a good friend, Don. You guys are just building him up, and it's just uh, going to no, get no, worse no. and worse, Dan. Right. <laughs> so when I used to host 9 to 11 a.m. on Sports Radio 610 when I first got to the market for two, three years, you know, I was alone. I was new in the market, yeah. Johnny, and I'm alone. Brand so new. I met Dan Pastorini, who was, I think he was doing something with Insperity at the time, Texans Lux member Insperity, and uh, Dante, I had him on an hour a week, and we just talked football that's amazing talk texans i don't he think i knew that he was, yeah it was great i had andre on an hour a week i had dante on an hour a week and i had matt bullard on an hour a week before matt bullard was doing anything really of significance with the rockets other than having had played for them so i was filling the time with those guys yeah. i was like let me get these experts on kind of like basically what we're doing what i'm doing with you every night <laughs> let me get an expert on it makes life a lot easier i used see? to go on for an hour every thursday with uh, our friends John and Lance. Yeah, you did. And then you were, oh, thank you, Matt. I remember. Yeah, I remember. Absolutely. So right. I guess we're going to wrap it up now, but, man, that could not have gone much better. We had Rudy Tomjanovich. We had Bill Worrell, Don, Dante Pastorini, Hannah Storms walking by, and I got to tell, oh, th- and that's her mom. That's, she, yeah, yeah, go ahead, say this. Yeah, okay. hi. You were my real Yes. Yeah. For those that can't, are you going to tell this on the air? Go ahead and tell us on the air. She was, Go Hannah t- Storm's mother was my realtor, Hannah Storin. That's awesome. And uh, and it's, so I, I don't know if Hannah Storm is Hannah Jr., but uh, she basically is, okay? And uh, name is the name was changed to Storm at some point, and the rest is history. She's an awesome broadcaster. I think she is phenomenal. I'm not going to say she's one of the best female broadcasters. She's, she's one of the best broadcasters, broadcasters period. She's great. Period. She's great. Man, Houston's had some, man. Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah. A Jemance, lot of great ones in the Storm. city. I mean, uh, the, just great start with city. those two, and you're pretty good. All right, that's going to do it from the Houston Sports Awards. Matt has helped us out a great deal. He is awesome, and he's going to help us out for the draft next week at Miller yeah. Outdoor Theater one week from tomorrow night. I cannot wait. The General tomorrow night at 6 to talk about that as we will be a week in or a week out from the NFL Draft Texans at picks 3 and 13 in case you've been in a coma or something. We will go over everything tomorrow night. Thanks a lot for listening, folks. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Can you feel it? Hear it. It's all around you. It's the air we share. At Daikin, the world's number one air conditioning company, we're pioneering technologies to perfect and protect the air that connects us all. Even now, we're working towards reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050, while developing new ways to make the air indoors perfect. Daikin is a proud sponsor of the Houston Texans, and we're hiring. Visit DaikinLovesHouston.com. With available premium features like wireless Apple CarPlay, plus America's best warranty and complimentary maintenance, the Hyundai Sonata and Elantra put you on the road to victory.
Now, get 2.25% APR for 60 months on our most popular models. Visit your local Hyundai dealer, the official car of the Houston Texans. For well-qualified buyers only, offer ends 5222. Call 469-613-0227 for more details. For more details. For more details. 